coming up on today's episode. It's stressful to say the least to be a black woman in America and to think that people think that we should be doing the work of reaching out to them or or assuaging them in any way around their struggle right now is laughable if you can be objective about it. I completely hear you and I'm so grateful that like you're having this you're here right now having this conversation because I think it's going to be eye-opening to hear from someone who's going through these things on a daily basis and has been, like you were saying, since puberty. <sighs> what a week. Um, there is no easy way to start this podcast, but I thought that I would tell you a little bit about how this whole episode came about. So on Monday night, I started writing this week's podcast episode. I knew that I needed to record on Tuesday, so I spent also pretty much all of Tuesday researching, doing my own work, um, listening in, getting a pulse on my audience um, and seeing how I could be of service. And I finish writing the episode and I sit down and I try to record an episode for three hours. And it was awful. It was, I just could not get my message across. I didn't feel good about it. I didn't feel that it was a good episode like I always think like would I want to sit down and listen to an episode like this and the answer was no and I was like okay maybe it's just a sign that I don't need to put out a podcast episode this week maybe this is just not gonna happen and I've been podcasting for almost two years so this was going to be two years for two years every single week sometimes twice a week I've been putting out a podcast episode and I said if there's any week that I don't put out an episode I feel that this is the week that that happens and I go to bed that night after having some conversations with mentors and like people that I'm relatively close with about everything that's going on and I have a dream (laughs) And the dream is that I am friends with Martin Luther King Jr., MLK, and I'm at his house and I ring the doorbell and I'm like dressed in full on like 1960s, like hair, a dress, like the whole thing. And I sit down on this couch and he's sitting in this big leather chair and I'm explaining to him I don't know what to say. I don't know how to be of service. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I want to do the right thing. I want to be on the right side of history, but I'm at a loss for where I should put my energy and where I should put my attention. And he sits in this big leather chair staring at me as I'm crying and like explaining to him, I don't know what to do about the podcast. All he says is look around you. Whose voices can you share? And that was the end of my dream. And I didn't think of any, I didn't really think 
anything else of it like when I woke up and I just happened to send a text message to my good friend Jay I she said she responds back and she goes lol just finished recording a podcast episode or something about a podcast because she also has a podcast and I was like oh my god why did I not think of this sooner? So I call her up and I'm like, I explained to her the situation. I'm like, it's been two years of podcasting. This week is a heavy week. I don't think people need to hear my voice right now. People don't need to hear what I have to say because I've said enough. Lord knows I'm a chatty Kathy, okay? <laughs> and long story short, she agrees to come on the podcast. And I didn't want to make this podcast... A typical podcast where I'm the one who's doing a lot of the talking and leading the conversation. I really wanted to give her a platform to share her stories. In editing this, I was like, oh my gosh, like there's so much more we could have covered. Like I, we forgot to talk about this and that. And I was just nitpicking it. And I realized this whole issue that America is going through right now is not going to be fixed with one conversation, with one podcast, with one person on social media, with it. It's going to take several. So this is this is the beginning of a conversation that I want to continue to have. I don't want this to just be a trendy thing that people are podcasting about. And this is and this is it. The conversation needs to continue to happen. So next week's episode, I'm going to be coming up with a couple of different things that I want to be doing in my business to make sure that I'm supporting women of color and members of the black community. I have not done my part in making space for them in in my business and on my platform. So that's one thing that I really want to commit to changing. So today on the podcast, we have my good friend J.G. Autry. I met her last year actually through a Facebook group and we just connected and we have really grown close over the last couple of months, um, just chatting a lot and getting to know each other. And I absolutely adore her. Um, I'm going to include all of the links for Jay's Instagram, her podcast, and her business down below. So please go and make sure that you check out all of her links. She's awesome. And I was so grateful that she volunteered her time and her energy to chat with me about her experience of being a black woman in America and just what her feelings were about everything that's been going on. And I hope if anything Again, this isn't, we don't talk about politics. We're not talking about statistics and data and all of that. I think there are people out there who are really, truly better educators about all of those things. But this, if anything you learn from this, I hope that you see what it's like and you hear a conversation between a woman who, me, who identifies as as a white woman in America with a woman of color in America. I hope that you can see how positive these conversations can be and how important they are to have and to support your black friends and especially during this time. And we should have been doing this a lot 
a long, long time ago. Um, but on top of having Jay on the podcast, something else that's a little bit different about this episode is I told Jay I wanted to donate any ad revenue from this podcast to a charity of her choice. And so I'm going to tell you the name of the charity that she chose is called Campaign Zero. So Campaign Zero is basically identifying solutions. They're providing research and data to organizers and policymakers advocating to end police violence nationwide. So by implementing the right policy changes, we can end police killings and other forms of police violence in the U.S. So the way that they do this is through a comprehensive comprehensive package of policy solutions, informed data research, and human right principles. And that can really change the way that police serve our communities. And Campaign Zero plans to do that through 10 ways. So the first is to end broken window policing, community oversight, limit use of force, independently investigate and prosecute, Um, community representation, body cams, filming the police, training and education, and for-profit policing, demilitarization, and fair police union contracts. So again, that's campaign zero. And so any of the AdSense from this podcast will be making a donation to them. I will include their link down below so you can check them out. Um, I always ask, obviously, for you guys to share and subscribe to the podcast, but now more than ever, I am asking you guys to share this with your friends so that way we can make a generous donation. Even if your friends aren't listening to the entire episode, even if they just listen to five minutes, that will still get us AdSense and ad revenue for for this episode. So please share, please listen to the episode. Again, you don't have to listen to the whole thing. Part of it is completely fine. Um, but I really do want to focus on making sure that we're making a, a, a generous donation. So I'm going to stop talking. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that it's been a crazy rough week for all of us. I hope we can take a couple of deep breaths and move through this and continue to educate ourselves on systemic racism in America. All right, I will see you guys next week. Be kind, be well, be grateful. Love you, mean it, bye. So I guess my first question would be like, how are you feeling about everything? Like what is your pulse on everything that's just been going on? Yeah, it's, it's a weird place that I find myself in, honestly, uh, because I, I am that person in my network where, I don't know if you ever watched Dave Chappelle, it's going to be an unintentional plug for Dave Chappelle, because I really <laughs> miss, I really miss the Chappelle show like so much. I can't even express how much I miss that show. Right. Um, but he had this segment that he did with Paul Mooney called Negro Damas. And it's essentially an ask a black person segment. (laughs) And so I tend to be that person in my network because I I do have friends of different races. I've never really been um, in my community as like only in the black community. And so I've kind of had to be more mindful about taking time for myself to just be okay with how not okay I, I was and at first. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is kind of where I'm inclined to go is to just help people understand 
what they could be doing. And in this case, well, if you're a white person listening or you're a person that in any way feels like you want to be an ally in the situation, my role has always felt like in some way I wanted to be able to get people to do it. Like whatever inclination you feel you have to be an ally, I want, I want them to do it. I wanted to take a, take a step. Um, but it's, it's hard. It takes its emotional toll to do that at the same time. Right. Yeah. And I feel like people also, everyone's going to have a different role in, in what's going on. I was actually just watching a clip with Martin Luther King's daughter. I believe her name's Bernice. Don't quote me on that. Um, but she said she was like, some people are going to be the ones in the front lines. They're going to be the protesters. Some people are going to be the ones calling the politician's office. Some people are going to be the ones donating to the bail funds. Some people are going to be the ones signing petitions. Like everyone needs to take a role in what's happening right now. Um, and, I, and I think some people are kind of lost on what that role is. Yeah, and if you are uh, someone that's even new to stepping up in that way and you're white, it's going to be difficult. And I think that's the thing that the, the ones that I know that are willing to take that step, that's why I, I do kind of step out of myself in a way to do that, to help educate. Like I've been sharing a reading list. I've been sharing content around what you could do, where you could donate if you wanted to do that, like put putting that stuff out there in my network where I know it could be likely to be seen because I connect with all kinds of people. I believe that this is from my perspective and this is where it could kind of get mixed up in the black community is I don't see us dismantling racism without white allies in place. <laughs> like I just, I just don't see it for me. The revolution is something that I would like to be as humane as possible. And that's where that comes from for me. Like I don't want it to be the kind of bloodshed that it, my other people feel like it needs to be um and in a way we're kind of already seeing with the riots and 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 the looting and the and the violence i don't see that long term or i don't want to see it going that way i would much prefer white people do the work to dismantle racism because they put it in place and whatever i can do in that role to say hey this is what you could be doing to educate yourself so you, you feel more confident because i think that's the other piece of it if you don't have enough information if you haven't done the work that i've done i've done the research because U.S. is not, it's not designed to teach me about black history. I learned about Imhotep because of my dad and because I actually went to a black private school until I was about 10 years old. So I had a very different education also from maybe even quite a few black people because my parents made that decision when I was young. But I've done, I had to, either way, you got to do that work as a black person to educate yourself because the world is not set up for us to get that education. And as a, a white person or anybody that wants to be an ally to black people and what we're trying to do, you have to take that opportunity to educate yourself. We no longer live in a world, now that Google, and <laughs> let me Google that for you is literally an insult you could use. Right. I don't live in a world where you can't educate yourself anymore. So you saying I don't know what to do is not doing a service to yourself, let alone the person in your life. If you are friends with black people, if they're in your life, you're kind of doing them a disservice to say that as well. Absolutely. And I'll be the first to admit, like, I love U.S. history, but I feel completely blindsided, like, when it comes to Black history, um, because it's not discussed in the history books. And it is something like, I mean, and there are millions of books written about Black history, but of course, like, those aren't... They're not showcased, for yeah. sure. Exactly. I think the only book I read in high school that was, like, somewhat about 
racism was their eyes are watching God. Right. Um, and that was it. I think you're a anomaly maybe in a sense, because a lot of the information that I've been learning is like people saying, don't go and ask your black friends for a reading list. Like, And it's kind of true. Like you feel dumb because you're like, oh yeah, like they probably are like, just, you know, for them, this is something that's been going on for generations for 400 years. It's like, so why the fuck would they have a reading list of material for you just like at their fingertips? And yet I'm that weird, random, introverted black girl that yes, I do have a reading list at my fingertips and not right. a lot with you I'll be glad to do so <laughs> right right so and again I bet these are the things and I was telling you earlier like because I've had people reach out to me that say like well my black friends are silent right now they're not saying anything like they're not even discussing it on their social media platforms and I'm like okay they're probably not your friends <laughs> like, because if you're not able to have this kind of discussion with your black friends or first of all, they shouldn't be the ones reaching out to you. You should be the ones reaching out to them. And it should have happened, unfortunately. It should have happened way before this George Floyd. Yes. Absolutely. And I feel extremely guilty for that because I'm like, it should not have taken, I mean, my white guilt is like all over the place. Like I will own that a thousand percent. It should have happened before George Floyd. It's been going on for 400 years. We had 400 years to correct this. We've had 50 years since the, 60 years since the civil rights movement. We've had time. Yeah. And I am, I know I'm an anomaly for sure. (laughs) That's been uh, my life. Like I was bullied. And so even for me, there's always been a part of my, my path, my, my path through adulthood to where I've even tried to find my place with my people. And it's kind of rough because I sound the way I do. I get, I, I have my own pushback that I get. I've had people tell me I sound white, I sound, I sound white and all sort of stuff when uh, it's very insulting. <laughs> I have to pretend like I'm not insulted, which is even worse, or it doesn't stop. And uh, it's, it's always been kind of hard for me to be strong in my identity as an educated black woman, because that's what I am. I don't sound white, I sound educated, and that's what I am. I have a master's degree. I put in the work and the debt to get to where I am. And right. so I, uh, it's, it's even that struggle for me, but that's why I feel like in a, in a way, my, my path has kind of put me in a spot where I can do this. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I can be, I can have an opportunity to be heard because I'm not confrontational. I don't have the need to be. Um, and as someone that has dated, worked closely with, and even lived with white people, I will never be that kind of person. It's like, oh, white people should die. Like burn them and all this other stuff. Like, I don't, I don't see that. I don't see that way of going about things. And the thing, one of the things that she said to me in one of our conversations, what was it like last week or a week, week and a half ago? was that sub whether it's consciously or subconsciously when a black woman gets mad or they get upset they are automatically labeled the crazy black woman oh yeah so can you kind of explain what that is for me it's it's almost like immediately anything that i have to say has already been diminished um if I show any emotion going that in that direction. And it's led to a kind of a muted existence for me um, to where I, I almost don't always trust my emotions. And that's the work that I do, you know, 
therapy is very much a thing that I, I, I talk about mental health more because I want more black people to feel comfortable with that conversation. And uh, it, it's hard being a black woman in America because you know that you are heavily judged. Somehow black women are the most judged, but we're also in a lot of cases, black women that grew up without our fathers and we've been brought up in a world that told us that our only real value comes when we trade our bodies through sex for money. And the hardest thing in, for me was dismantling all of that. Like I, I, I had huge body issues. I kind of still do to this day. Um, I have huge confidence issues that I work hard at. Um, and it's come about more because I kind of forced myself to be on camera. And I really had to force myself to do that when I don't currently kind of like how I look. And it, it's, it's hard to look at how people will treat us as humans, but even us as black women as lesser than, and then try and judge us for expressing anger. Like, oh, you see, I knew, I knew you were like, whatever. And that's only after, and this is a great uh, example I heard just earlier. It's not after that one time somebody says something. It's after the 47th microaggression that you slip. And mm. it, it sucks how much attention is brought to it when it happens. And you don't have that understanding of like, you are disrespected continually. And it's amazing that you, you, you hold it together as often as you do. And you mentioned something to me too earlier. You said the undercover racists are the worst because yeah. there's like blatant racists and you're like, I can handle those. Like they don't phase me as much as the undercover racists do. Oh yeah. I very much remember my first racist encounter. And funny enough, it, it wasn't with a white person or a white family. It was actually with an Indian family. Um, I, I had a really cool chick I was growing up with. We'd ride our bikes together and everything when I was like 12. And I tried to go over to her house once to see like why she, she didn't come out. And her mom was like, you can't see her anymore. Oh, wow. How old were you? It's like 12. Oh my gosh. So uh, outspoken racist is, I mean, it's great because I already know the cutoff. Um, it's the ones you can't, necessarily know for sure until something like this happens just how they might be aligned or whether it's whether intended or not they're just they're just not really okay with being um outspoken one way or the other about where they stand so are you so when you say like microaggressions those can kind of also be aligned with like the like the silent racist right yeah. Oh, yeah. People, it's way harder having conversations with people about microaggressions and about racism. Like people don't understand the little things that they do that are incredibly insulting. Like anytime you ever touch my hair and you don't ask, literally disgust me. Um, anytime anyone asks me about my hair is offensive in this day and age. Like there's there's little things that people do that they don't even realize are offensive and and then you have to explain on top of that why you're offended and you just you just stop so that's how it grows to 47 microaggressions instead of just five um it's it's incredibly taxing to get people to understand 
where they're coming from at times. So people just feel like they can touch your hair. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. I've, when I have my fro out, um, which is part of the reason why I don't really one, it's a lot of, it's a lot of maidens, but also it's in this weird growth phase. Um, but yeah, when I would have my fro out, the amount of white women that thought that it was okay for them to put their hands in my hair astounded me, Uh, like literally astounded me. And I'm like in the store and they're like, Oh, it's so pretty. I'm like, did you say hello first? Oh my God. I am actually- a pet. I don't think I'm a pet. I'm definitely not your pet. Oh so it's just, it's kind of crazy to me. The, the world we can kind of still live in, in a way. Well, now I have an admission. I've, I have another black girlfriend and I've asked her about her hair, but not in a way that was like educational. Like I was like, I like I didn't know what like a relaxer was or like any I just wanted I was more of a educational thing like it wasn't like I mean maybe that was a resolution and I feel bad now I'm like oh my gosh because I've definitely had that discussion with her well to be fair that's better than the like usual is that really your hair (laughs) oh oh you're saying like are you wearing a weave yeah, oh yeah, definitely gotten that. Or I even get judgment from people for wearing wigs. Um, and those are people, that's across all, even black women. I don't understand the judgment on that, but there, it's there. And it's just weird, the judgment on our bodies overall is very weird. It's being appropriated in a mass way thanks to the Kardashians, and yet we are judged and we, are never, we, we were never accepted. I was constantly teased for having wide hips and thick thighs and like being kind of curvy as a kid. I went through very, very awkward phase of accepting my body through, um, through puberty because it was not, I was, people were not kind to me. And so um, it's just funny how we can have that judgment and then people are trying to monetize it at the same time for themselves. It's stressful to say the least to be a black woman in America and to think that people think that we should be doing the work of reaching out to them or, or assuaging them in any way around their struggle right now is laughable if you can be objective about it. I completely hear you. And I'm so grateful that like you're having this, you're here right now having this conversation because I think it's going to be eye-opening to hear from someone who's going through these things on a daily basis and has been, like you were saying, since puberty. I, I posted something on Twitter the other day that you know, people love to celebrate black culture with sports and the food and the music and even sexualize black women's bodies. But now that we're in a time where we need to stand up for them, people are silent. Yeah, it's the the silent ones are definitely the most notable. Uh, I have put in the effort where I was seeing, uh, you know, white people that I follow in business, you know, or work with that the ones that are commenting, like I am acknowledging it because there's not a lot of black people that they know one. <laughs> there's definitely not a lot of black people that would bother. And uh, I want them to know they should do more of that. So positive reinforcement to me is very much a proven thing that works. Um, yeah, the silence when, from when, certain- Go ahead. I'm just going to say the silence from certain people that are especially high, high up, like high, high figures in business. It says a lot right now. 
it does. So as a woman of color, when you, or I should say, when you, you, when you don't see these influencers and like these people who are in positions of power speaking up right now, how is that impacting you? Like, what is your reaction to that when you, when you see them not posting or not sharing? It tells me who they're, to me, it tells me who they care about their audience being. Mm. Wow. And they're like, to me, that's, that's a, to me, that is a company or that's an individual, that's a brand that is saying either we don't care about black dollars or we'd rather not risk finding out one way or the other just who we'd lose to, to, to show support. And uh, not caring about black dollars is really what, it, what stands out when we talk about Black Lives Matter. Um, I don't even think economically, businesses even necessarily always account for just how much the black dollar goes for. <laughs> Because we spend outside of our community, because that's that's another conversation. We don't really have a lot of businesses that get supported um, institutionally. Um, and I don't think that they consider really what would happen if we decided to organize in that way and go beyond, like, J- July 7th is going to be a blackout economic day. Um, I don't think that they think about it from that perspective enough. <laughs> but if uh, if that's the case, then, you know, it has me in a position where I really have to think about where I spend my dollars or where I even spend my association or my affiliation because I, I have an online business. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. it's, this whole time has awakened quite a few things for me to think about. And that's one of the things that I've tried to express to my business friends because I've been having a lot of conversations, not on the podcast, obviously, but like with my other business owning friends, online business friends. And I've kind of called a couple of people out, like, why aren't you saying anything? Like what's going on? Like, and a lot of them say that they're confused, that they don't know what to say, that they feel like they won't, that they can't get it right. So what's the point? And I was like, well, that is the freaking point. You need to learn. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I I don't want to plug the podcast here. I'll share it with you off. But like, I had a great podcast. I listened to you about this. Like, you just have to be okay with messing up. Right. Just Uh, have to be okay with that. Listen, we've already messed up because we're here right now still dealing with this issue. We've already fucked up. So (laughs) like, the only way we learn and any business owner will tell you the only way people learn is through messing up is through trial and through error. So you have to do the same thing in these situations. Um, but I've a lo- when I explain to my friends who own businesses, I'm like, you're alienating a huge percentage of your business yeah. um, when you don't speak out. And I was like, you need to imagine that of all your followers and your customers, that when you don't speak up for them, they're taking notes. I'm taking notes. I can't, I've started unfollowing people who have said nothing, who are like business as usual. I'm yeah. like, no, no business for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. no, <laughs> unfortunately you're, I hope. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah and it's it's hard it's hard because like i said i tend to be that person that's i'm i don't like the term but i do tend to be the token black person and so i've always tried to embrace as much as i could as much as i could as much as it may be uncomfortable especially as an introvert like it's always made me uncomfortable it's always made me feel very much more seen in a way that i do not want to be seen but I've always looked at it as this is my opportunity because I'm so cur- I'm so inquisitive. I'm so always on this path of learning. I always looked at it as I'm going to probably hear things that I otherwise wouldn't hear, learn things that I otherwise wouldn't learn. Mm-hmm. So I take it for that. And I, t- I intend to bring it back to my people. That's always been my perspective, that, that idea of traveling away from home to bring back. It's hard to, to potentially question, and especially in one particular case, like my, my whole association with someone um it's hard it's it's hard to come to a decision around that but i know that people don't they already automatically judge me or even choose to not do business with me because i'm black and i'm a black woman like i have no control over that it's more likely than not and so i don't even have a choice whether or not i i voice my opinion about this and it means something to me whether or not people that I'm close to or I work with, they they see it that way. They understand that and uh, would want to respond accordingly. When someone tells you that it's not in their policy to discuss these things on their platform, first of all, you shouldn't, you being a woman of color should never even have to go to someone and ask them why they're not sharing. Like, cause that's not your job. Um, but two, then to be told it's not my policy to discuss things. When you said that to me in our conversation earlier, I just kind of was like, okay, like we, we kept talking. But I'm, I was sitting there and I was doing something else and I just that kept coming, it's not my policy, it's not my policy, it's not my policy. I don't, or like when people say I don't get involved in politics on my platforms. Then I can understand, but this is not a political issue. It's not. It's not a political issue at all. It's a human rights issue. And that's the thing that I still don't get how people don't, one, how they don't see that, but also how they try to lump it in as the same thing. Like, it's not a political issue. It's a human rights issue. And we have no problem talking about human rights around any other area where it comes up, Mm -hmm. just around how Black people are treated in America. And it boggles the mind if you really think about it just from that perspective. It's a human rights issue. Either we are equal, we are to be treated as equal humans and efforts will be done to speak out about that, to pass legislation around that, to support us in that, or you believe that we don't. And so that's really the exposure. It's not political at all. And under other circumstances, I don't understand why it gets to be understood but not here. Right. And when I hear that, I hear, I don't see you. And I'm not standing, like, that's what she, what that person was saying. I don't see you and I don't hear you and I'm not standing up for you. And that's like, that was what, when I hear that, oh, I don't discuss these things on my platform or like, it's, you know, it's such a hot topic and, I don't want to get involved. Like, I'm like, you would realize what you're saying to people of the black community when you choose silence. Yeah. And I don't think that they, sometimes I wonder that I don't think that they do. Um, And that's a lack of education 
on their part. And that's why, like, I think all of this starts with people educating themselves and learning about systemic racism and learning about these things so that they can call it out when they see it. I think we have to come. Yeah. Yeah. And it's after a certain point, I just don't, you know, like I like, I like as bizarre as it all is, uh, the thing I can always appreciate about extreme events like this, cause it's nothing new. It's strange the amount of people that are like shocked. It's like, where have you been? Um, it's not that it's new, but because of the perfect storm that is the pandemic that occurring, the whole murky retrograde, retrograde thing, if that's your vibe, <laughs> like the planets are like, right. we're causing chaos right now. Um, I appreciate seeing the ones that step up. And as always, I found it to be way more valuable to know where I should put my attention and to worry about where I, I, I need to take it away. Um, that's for my personal, uh, personal growth, I guess, and, and safety in a way. And that's the thing, too, is like when I see leaders bypassing this whole thing, it's like because they want to avoid the discomfort or the hard conversations or potentially messing up and not saying the right thing. Like, that is the point of this whole thing. Like, we are supposed to be uncomfortable. We are supposed to be angry. We are supposed to be heartbroken and sad, but shocked. I wasn't, I was heartbroken. I was outraged, but I was not surprised. Yeah. And that's why I was like, why are you guys surprised? This has been going on. I mean, we have hundreds, thousands probably of names that need to be heard and need to be spoken out about. Yeah, and the unfortunate thing, which I even brought up on my social channels, is is that it's still kind of disgustingly patriarchal in its representation, even in its own way. Like, no one has even mentioned Breonna Taylor, which is, uh, like, it's disgusting what happened to her. Um, But overall, like, there's not really much mention of Black women, Black children, uh, or, or even the Black trans community, like, or LGBTQ around that at all. It's, it's it's frustrating to 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 notice just how the uprising is very different when it's men (laughs) even across race um than anyone else absolutely is there anything else that you want to share like any other message that you feel is important that maybe like we haven't covered or discussed yet Oh, I feel like we covered a lot. <laughs> like, so. yeah. I mean, I like, I have to be so honest. Like, I feel like I'm like, I feel so out of my element. Like I was trying to record this podcast <laughs> for like three hours and I just like could not get the words. And I was like, maybe this is just not my message to share my, this is not my moment. I've been recording podcasts almost weekly for the last two years. And this is the week where I'm like, my voice is not the one that people need to hear. Well, the one thing I do want to mention is this, like, I feel like this came full circle. Like, it's really an honor for me to do this with you because you inspired me to start a podcast, period. (laughs) It's it's the truth. Like, I never would have done it if you hadn't said, I think everyone should have a podcast to document their journey. And so I appreciate that. I, I am very much so happy that we became what I feel great friends. I will be seeing you in San Diego at some point very soon. Absolutely. I just, I think that it's great. This is technically my first podcast interview. And so I'm just grateful to be able to create this experience with you because I believe it's important. And um, 
I, uh, I know how hard it is to grapple with the cognitive dissonance of like, the world is not what I thought it was. It's so complicated when we talk about privilege and race and, and what we can do. And I don't, I will never know what it's like for white people, but I get it. I get the cognitive dissonance that happens and it takes a certain type of person that's willing to grapple with that and be like, I don't care. I'm going to do what I can to move through this and become an ally to all of this. I think at the end of the day, it's the empathy. Like even if you have cognitive dissonance between being a white person and being someone of color, you have to have empathy. Like everything, all of this has to stem from a place of empathy where like you don't need to walk in someone's literal shoes to know how they feel. Like I, I hate that it had to get to this point in order for people to to wake up. And I think also, I mean, people are saying things like, oh, now you're, all these people are jumping on the bandwagon of anti-racism. I'm like, that's a good fucking bad bandwagon to be on. If you're going to jump on any bandwagon, please let yeah. it be that one. <laughs> like, Absolutely. You know, like, why are you complaining? Like, this is not the time. Um, this isn't a sports team where, like, you know, you're seeing who the best players are. Like, you need to be on this bandwagon with the rest of us. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to include all of Jay's links um, down below in the episode description as well. So you can go and check her out because she is doing really amazing things. And it's been so beautiful just to see your journey from the time that I met you, what, like last year to where you're at now has just been incredible. And I'm so, so proud of you. Thank you. Not that you need me to be proud of you, but. Hey, it doesn't hurt to hear. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you.